0: Welcome to the Established the Edge podcast. I'm your host Mike Leone here with Adam Rauch once again for GPP Game Scores podcast week 11. Uh, as always before we dive into week 11, Adam, let's recap week 10 a little bit for those watching on the Established the Edge YouTube channel. Have the game stack plot up from last week and we see that the you know the real winner last week was the Cincinnati Houston game in terms of like an overall game stack really getting there. We saw, especially late Cincinnati, really the Joe Burrow triple stack, which popped in the Sims and small field stuff kind of ran fortunate, but it did get there late with chase and Irwin being like plus values, but not amazing. And then Tyler Boyd being really good value burrow getting there on the bring back side of things. Tank Dell was okay, but Noah Brown and Devin Singletary went nuts. They were awesome. And yeah, you could have had four or five plays from that game and really hit. You and I, Adam, though, we opted for some DAC stacks, which came in at really low ownership. You can see on this graph, like only six percent ownership in that game. Of course, um didn't force the run back though, with how well Dallas projected and how many points they projected to score. We kind of got the nut outcome for what we were hoping for, which is uh Dallas scores a ton of points, gets there in three quarters. I had Dak CD, Ferguson on my Thunderdome team that came in second. I know you played some Dak stuff as well.
1: Yeah, I actually was uh, fortunate enough to fall into the Dak CD, Cook stack. Uh, oh problem, baby! Yeah, the problem was is I just didn't land on the right running backs. Uh, played into James Connor, who didn't play well, and I played in played into Mix and Chalk, which I'm deeply regretting. Um, <laughs> but yeah, it was kind of an interesting week on the total on the on the total because. Looking at the at the stack plot, you already kind of mentioned Bengals, uh, Texans, but that Chargers Lions game sticks out because it scored on average so much higher than the in the other two games we just mentioned. However, if you looked at the leaderboards on at least in large field tournaments, I know you know you you kind of talked about your small field team and you you kind of specialize in more small field stuff, but in large field, you weren't seeing any Herbert stacks. Um, or Burrow or Stroud stacks at the top of leaderboards. It was it was pretty much exclusively all DAC stacks. Um, and I think pr- primary reason why is, you know, we talked a little bit about this last week. I think we're going to talk about it again uh, heading into this late, but affordability of your stack can play such a big role in how your team ends up inevitably doing uh, in terms of how high you can get on top of these large field leaderboards. Now that that Herbert Amon Rocky and Allen stack scored really well. It didn't score quite as well as the Dax CD Cook stack, which seemed to be kind of the 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 most popular stack that I saw on leaderboards. But if you played the Dax stack over the Herbert stack, you're you're saving over around 5500 dollars in salary, which allowed you to kind of fall into those other um those other spiked plays. I don't know Noah Brown was was popular amongst uh, winning lineups as well. But, um, you know, if you played that DAX stack you actually probably had the flexibility to play Keenan Allen or play Amon Ra on a solo, you know, played them solo instead of stacking them. So, um, yeah, the, the the plot doesn't tell the whole story. The scatter plot doesn't tell the whole story. Uh, you kind of have to dive into the numbers and see, well, how, okay, so how did the salary kind of play into it? Um, yeah. But mm-hmm. overall it was a, it was a, fun week I think in order in terms of being able to uh to kind of build those uh those flexible stacks that were maybe a little bit less owned than we thought
0: yeah it was definitely a fun week I was surprised the ownership on Detroit Chargers got steamed a little bit it did come off Seattle Washington and I think the Geno stuff ended up simming well in post lock because it wasn't owned a ton to your point about you know the DAC stack being a little bit more affordable than LAC Detroit it also like just cleared up roster spots because you didn't feel the need to like do a bring back. So to your point, you know, I had a spine it up playing Eckler as a one-off in that game, but yeah, you very easily, cause you had spots to play kind of like some, like I played the cheap values from Cincinnati Houston, the expensive guy from Detroit chargers. So sometimes that's fun and interesting to do based on how the values of the slate spit out other slates. You know, I kind of want that real mega correlation and I I just want to get one thing right. Like Cincinnati, Houston. So it's kind of just depends on, you know, how the slate shakes out and the individual values, but we'll take a look here at the game scores plot for week 11, as always a little bit work in progress. You know, we're doing ownership a little bit later in the week. Now we run our default algorithm in the beginning, but I've just found it easier to, to really tidy it up, um, Friday evenings into Saturday mornings. So just keep that in mind, but, we had the Chicago at Detroit game spitting out as the top game score game. I'm worried that there's going to be some more ownership on this game. You know, with Fields coming back, projections might be lagging there a little bit around the industry. But this game is tied for the highest total on the slate with Arizona at Houston. Fields. His individual ceilings, huge, but we also get like decent values on DJ Moore, Cole Komet with the team total on Chicago coming up from where it's been at. And then Detroit has one of the highest team totals on the site. And you know, they're you know, there's another team San Francisco. Like these two teams at this point, their individual players all have like really good ceiling projections, the way they've been performing and the way our model captures them. So it can be tough to pin down the right guy in each of these scenarios, but Yeah, pretty strong ceiling projections on like Gibbs, Amon, Ryan, Laporta at their respective positions.
1: Yeah, and I think the Detroit side's gonna get maybe a little bit. I don't know if it's gonna get steamed up as much, you know, maybe as much as um, as much as it to get chalky, but I I think it will probably be a little bit more popular than we have it projected now. This is the second straight week that Detroit's facing a, a pretty a pretty poor defense. Uh, and this time they'll actually, um, or no, sorry, I don't I don't think they're at, is this in Detroit? Yeah, this is in Detroit. So. Yeah, they're
0: home. So we get the dome. Right. We get the, we dome, get the dome. We get the yeah. dome bump.
1: Love a dome bump. Um, yeah. And, you know, I Fields coming back, I don't think is going to fool anyone. I mean, we, you talked about a ceiling projection right now. I think he'll probably be a little bit more owned. Than four percent, which is where we have him on DraftKings, but his ceiling is always so strong. Uh, DJ Moore has consistently produced better with Justin Fields on the field as opposed to uh, when special agent, secret agent Tyson Bajan, uh has been on the field. So, um, yeah, I I think uh, I think this is a good game to target. I like it um, from uh, an affordability standpoint. You can mix in a more. You can mix in a commit. It's kind of free up some salary. You've got running back options from Detroit as well. I think uh, Gibbs and Montgomery are still viable in in stack builds. Um, They both have such good carved out roles right now. Gibbs, I think, is going to be the obvious popular play there. Um, And then you know, similar to last week, where you could run into a spot where the tight end just blows up. I mean, last week we saw T.J. Hawkinson blow up at kind of a more expensive tight end price tag and Sam Laporta kind of profile similarly where he's around that same price. He's 5,800 on DraftKings. He's not projecting for uh, that much ownership at all. And he doesn't really have any of like the injury concerns that we had with Hawkinson last week. So that could be a fun way to build. Goff is going to be less owned than, than fields. Of course, Um, they're pretty close in salary and you know, Goff has no rushing upside. So there's, there's good ways to kind of build different stacks and mix them with some, some low ownership plays. So I like it.
0: Yeah, the next game's Tampa Bay at San Francisco. San Francisco like Detroit, another one of those teams where, you know, the ceiling projection on these guys is really good. Um, obviously you have CMC at wide receiver, you've got both Debo and Ayuk, you've got Kittle at tight end. The values can be a little bit difficult to pick from when all four of these guys are healthy and playing at the same time, which can be the challenge. It is a low total game at 41 and a half. The one thing that's nice about this setup for San Francisco is Tampa Bay has a much better run defense than pass defense, which, you know, hopefully will encourage San Francisco to throw a bit more. And it makes Purdy a pretty strong value on both sides. And you can stack them with any of the four guys. San Francisco is an interesting name too. It's like you can double stack. You can do the alpha skinnies. Um, it can be tough to pin down exactly what to play. On the Tampa Bay side, Adam, I know last week I had sort of hit on a few times how San Francisco's defense and DVOA wasn't that strong, and then they went out and dominated Jacksonville. And uh, (laughs) lo and behold, they're up to seventh in FTN's pass rate DVOA already. But um, yeah, Tampa Bay is going to have to throw the ball a ton, and I think that's like baked into our projections part of what's going in the game scores. We're expecting a really high pass rate on Tampa Bay, and that gives you Mike Evans, which speaking of ceiling – He's week in and week out one of the guys with the bigger discrepancies between base projection and ceiling projection. Yeah. Sorry, I lost you there
1: for a second, Mike. But um, yeah, this game, this game is, it kind of stands out because the game scores is, is, is pretty high, um, at least early, at least when we're, as of when we're recording here on Friday morning. Uh, but the total is considerably lower than some of the other games we're going to talk about. And I think you kind of hit on that. Like San Francisco is always going to project well from a ceiling standpoint, and yeah, we kind of, I we kind of have to hope that that Tampa can push uh, San Francisco's defense. Um, the problem is, like, I from a value standpoint on Tampa's side, like it's just tough. Like, like I in this spot, I would probably want to play Mike Evans, but he's just it's just like not a great price on DraftKings to try to fit in. Um, with like full stack builds, I think he probably fits better on like skinny stack builds. Um, but yeah, I, yeah. I, I think um, you want to get, you know, I, Purdy's a great value. And, um, you know, this sets up well for them against a kind of a pass funnel defense. Um, we've seen pretty consistently be a pass funnel defense this year. Um, no one's going to want to play Chris Godwin on the other side. You know, bringing him back with Tampa, I think he probably fits full game stack builds better. Or if you want to kind of get, get kind of gross at tight end, you could kind of maybe run with uh, a Kate Otten play if you didn't want to spend up on, on George Kittle. So, yeah, lots of different ways to play it. Um, ownership's not going to be too big of a concern here, uh, even if McCaffrey gets close to 20 percent. So, um, yeah, I like the flexibility. I like the ownership. Yeah. Um, But, uh, thankfully we've got, thankfully we've got flexible, uh, QB salaries to kind of help us out here.
0: Yeah. The, um, Tampa Bay defensive pass rate of expectations plus 4%, one of the highest in the league to your point about them being a pass funnel. And, um, we'll just know, I think like Rashad white could be somewhat interesting where people don't want to. Play him into this negative script. He's been somewhat chalky the past few weeks. He's a little bit pricier now in a worse matchup, but he's been catching so many dump offs and the clear workhorse goal line back that I think he's on DraftKings viable. fan duel the wide receivers start to look a little bit better than they do on DraftKings despite the scoring discrepancies there. The next game we have is Seattle at the Rams that makes one of Pat Thorman's pace up games. The next one that also makes it is Arizona at Houston and then chargers at green Bay. So really our middle three, you know, next three games here uh, are all on Thorman's pace up though. I think he kind of admitted he had to stretch a little bit this week to find the pace up spots outside of Arizona at Houston, but yeah, have interested in Seattle and LA. I think on the LA side, there could be a little bit of, lag on the ownership just because they performed poorly. We had Stafford out, you know, prior and with him back, you know, Puka and Cup have seen their salaries come down to like much more affordable and manageable places, which makes a Stafford stack there interesting. It's always tough with Stafford where like we get a really big discrepancy between him and his wide receivers where his wide receivers rate as strong values and then he doesn't. And It doesn't seem to make sense, but part of that's because the catch volume for Puka and Cup is so concentrated and so strong and Stafford provides absolutely nothing on the ground that, um, yeah, it becomes an odd situation though, Adam, in terms of trying to stack Stafford with these two when he's a bad value. So I almost prefer if you're going to stack it to go with the Seattle side and a cheaper Geno and then just bring it back with one of those expensive Rams receivers.
1: Yeah, I and I was even thinking like maybe this game is more kind of a an appropriate mini correlation game, maybe as opposed to even going like full game stack. Um, but I do agree with you. I think if you're gonna build the full stack, it's probably better off building around Geno, um, who showed some some ceiling potential last week. Um, one thing to keep an eye on will be Tyler Lockett's health status. Right, as of yesterday, I think he was listed as questionable. I don't know, you know, if that's on the trending towards the outside of questionable or the you know limited side of questionable we'll see his practice report today um so i yeah i think but if you if you want to try to build the ram stack if you want to kind of fall into that 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 lesser value for stafford i think that will probably allow you to kind of not allow you i think it'll encourage you to play jsn on the other side uh, even though he's also not a great value but i his ownership is still pretty low right now, but I think in a stack build, he fits pretty well with Cup and and Puka. Um, even though their their respective salaries are could be at their lowest point, um, you know, this is from a football standpoint. This is kind of like a make it or break it game for for the Rams. Um, you know, this this may be the last really good spot where they have a a beatable defense and the team is motivated. Um, So I'm, I'm hoping they come out in full force. Um, But yeah, I I'm I'm probably more interested in playing mini correlations as opposed to stacks in this game. Um, But I would not be, I would not scoff at Gino stacks uh, because again, he just kind of frees up um, space uh, as far as salary is concerned. So um, Yeah, yeah, I, yeah, I'm I'm kind of kind of mid on it right now, but I, I could see I could see it, I could see it.
0: Yeah, I mean it's a tough week. I'm kind of like mid on a lot of games. We do get Arizona at Houston tied with Chicago at Detroit for highest total dome game. This is one of the the Thorman's pace up games that he's most confident in, and you can see why with you know the way Houston pushes the ball down the field and how awesome CJ Stroud has been and their pass rate being a little bit higher with Damian Pierce out and then the Arizona side of things, their neutral pass rate looks a little bit better with Kyler, obviously not running quite as fast as they did when Kyler played under Cliff, but yeah. And you get, you know, somewhat concentrated offense on the Arizona side, you know, Trey McBride's been dominating. I think the, the big game for, uh, Marquise Brown is going to come with better QB play, but even Kyler missed him wide open for a touchdown, but there's a lot of different routes you can go. Um, And this is one of the cheaper games too. Arizona, we've got green values on Rondell McBride, Marquise Kyler, like so. There's, there's a double or triple in there somewhere. We've got Stroud as an okay value, but strong ceiling play with Devin Singletary is a good value. The wide receiver stuff gets shaky on Houston this week, though, with it looking like Nico Collins is back. I know Noah Brown popped up on the injury report. We have him projected in right now, Um, but if he is in. You've got Brown, Woods, Nico, and Dell, and kind of trying to figure those guys out. You know, obviously, alongside Dalton Schultz at tight end, all while their salaries are increasing is probably, you know, the most challenging aspect of this. And then Singletary goes from like, no one wants to play him last week because he fouled his chalk. Then he goes off. Now everyone wants to play him this week, and he's going to be really chalky.
1: Right. But yeah, and the, and the fortunate thing, I think, for Houston is even if Noah Brown is out, I, I I think their passing game will still will still be highly high functioning and will still be productive. And I still think the spot is good enough to where, even though Brown is out, they're not going to necessarily miss him. And you know, we could kind of pivot maybe from the Devin Singletary narrative, where okay, now he's you know had a bounce back game last week maybe people are going to be on him more than the passing game, or maybe they're going to be more on Dalton Schultz where, you know, if we get Nico Collins back at full health, like he, I mean, he looks like uh, a really appealing play as part of the stack. I mean, he's, he's, I think he's going to be more owned than how we have him right now. um, Once he gets, you know, once we get a a promising practice report, but I think he's probably set up the best out of any of the receivers um, as far as being able to have a ceiling game Um, and, and, you know, not being as highly owned as what I think tank Dell is going to be owned at, um, you know, we have Dell right around 17%. I don't think Nico is going to come anywhere close to that. And Nico is not a great value. I mean, I, you know, I, I understand why the projection is where it is, but again, the nice thing about this game is it's so affordable. Um, it's one of the more affordable games that projects well, so you're just going to be able to create different ways, different builds to kind of attack this game. Um, Yeah, the Arizona ownership stuff is a little tricky. You've got also two two wide receivers around the three K range that are going to project pretty chalky as well. Um, You know, you don't want to get burned by anyone uh, as far as ownership is concerned. and we're kind of setting ourselves up here where like someone's going to have to fail on Arizona, even if the game hits. So that would be my only concern is like, if you're going to build heavy on Arizona, yeah, just don't, don't pick the wrong guy. Um, (laughs) because you could get pretty easily burned.
0: Yeah. I mean, it's, it's a tough game where the Arizona side has a lot of ownership and then the Houston side has a lot of, rising prices or chalky Singletary. So I have to think through this one a little bit more. I could see it getting steamed up too, and it might end up being a fade, not because I don't like the potential, um, but just because I think the ownership could be really concentrated. Um, The last game that has a positive value on DraftKings is Chargers at Green Bay. Last game that has a positive value on FanDuel is Vegas at Miami. Uh, Let's talk about Chargers Green Bay a little bit. And then Miami, we kind of have like a second section that's like basically teams that could go off that you don't have to do the bring back on. Um, But Chargers Green Bay, as I noted, another one of those games where Thorman kind of dreamed about had him in his pace up article. And yeah, I mean, on the surface, I don't love this game with how bad Green Bay's been and with how expensive kind of the key pieces on the Chargers are, but it does look like Keenan and Eckler are probably going to be lowish owned. And then on the green Bay side, you know, if you want to take a leap of faith, I do still think Watson and Aaron Jones have pretty good ceilings, but this is for me personally, Adam, like a clear mini correlation spot. I, I don't like the quarterback values here.
1: Oh man. I know Jordan love breakout game. But I, high I, was, I, I, I <laughs> I was kind of thinking, I don't know, like I was, could be, you know, be a dirt we, plant
0: candidate for yeah, you, I mean, I be, it. It could
1: be, it could be. Hey, look, I'll, all I'm going to say is Evan Silva likes this game and when uh, <laughs> you know, when the big dog speaks, you know, you listen. I mean, um, no, I don't. Yeah. I, I do share similar sentiments with you. The good thing at least about the charger stack is like last week, we just like could not build it. Like I just could not convince myself to go full chargers because Again, the Lions side was so expensive, too. It just, like, wasn't viable from an affordability standpoint, and that kind of played out. And even though it's even though that game popped, like, you could see it kind of play out in the leaderboard where those stacks didn't finish at the top. Um, this week, though, we get a little bit of a reprieve because Green Bay is pretty affordable. So while their ceiling isn't – I mean, obviously, the ceiling is going to be way lower, but um, – Yeah. I, as far as like a full stack, I don't know if I'm going to do it, but I wouldn't, I don't think I would, again, I just like, um, Ram Seattle stacks. Like I wouldn't scoff at people for trying to build a stack around it because, um, you know, not often are you going to be able to play Herbert and Allen and Eckler and be able to bring it back with, uh, one or two guys on the other side. So this is probably one of the spots to do it. Um, it is going to be tough. I, I, I think there's some there's even though like we don't this isn't necessarily data driven. I think playing in Green Bay um, as opposed to playing in L.A. will certainly have an effect on the Chargers offense to a a certain degree. So I think that's why the total is a little bit lower than these other games. But um, yeah, it's a it's an interesting game. I kind of joked about Jordan Love, but I don't know if I'm really going to play Jordan Love.
0: Yeah, I do like the minis just because I think, I mean, hoping against hope with Christian Watson, but even him, Aaron Jones, with one of the expensive chargers, you know, makes some sense to me. Um, But I think there's a few games too where you could just stack the offense on one side. Um, I've done that three weeks in a row. Normally I like the tighter correlations and only having to get one thing right. But if you have an offense that, you know, looks undervalued and has a high ceiling you don't have to force to bring back so we get miami this week and that one's most interesting for a bring back over on FanDuel, just because i think Devonte adams is in a pretty good spot where he's gonna get peppered with targets they're gonna have to throw a lot more than they did the previous two weeks but you can play multiple miami teammates too without you know the quarterbacks at all or without a bring back just because the efficiency and the scoring upside for them is so huge but um Washington and Howell stuff with their password over expectations. Another one where I could see playing the Washington stacks without a bring back on the Giant side of things, and then you know the Dallas stuff. It's kind of crazy. It just keeps getting under own week in and week out. But three straight weeks they've had their best three password over expectation games since the start of twenty twenty two. The last three weeks, so a clear shift in philosophy for them and. You know, CD is absolutely, you know, again, it's another week where like on FanDuel, we've got chalk Tony Pollard yet again. And we've got, you know, single digit owned CD Lamb and Dak. I'm sure we'll manually bump Dak and CD on final ownership given recent performances. But, you know, people seem to be like each week the price raises just enough to keep people away when these spreads and these games are big for Dallas.
1: Yeah, it's uh. It's it, I didn't think it was this week was gonna set up as well for like a team stack with no bring back compared to last week. I think last week after kind of talking through it um on the pod, like I I was and that's kind of why like I kind of leaned into the DAX stacks last week is because I just didn't think there was um as strong of setups for like full game stacks. Whereas this week I think we we have a couple at least a couple spots where like the full game stacks may project out better and we may want that additional correlation. Um, out of those three games you talked about, if I'm leaning into a team stack, I'm probably just going straight back to the Miami. Well, off a of bye week at home against Vegas. Um, I think that for me probably stands out the most. Um, and I'll be willing to play in a Tyreek chalk if I'm doing that. Um, you know, they get, they're getting A-chain back this week. Um, you know, Waddle, I could see, I could see you know, Waddle eventually getting to a ceiling game, even though we really haven't had that this year. But, um, yeah, if I'm leaning into a team stack, I'd probably lean Miami, but I wouldn't, I, again, I wouldn't blame anyone for wanting to go back to the Dax stacks. Um, it's pretty much the exact same setup, um, except they're on the road this week.
0: All right, Adam, it's time for Dirt Plants.
1: All right. Um, well, I just said I wasn't going to play Jordan Love, um, but <laughs> I think my Dirt Plant, I'm, I'm going to go with Christian Watson. Um, I, I don't know when else you're going to be able to play this guy. Um, his salary just keeps decreasing. His ownership just keeps decreasing. He has no chemistry with Jordan Love whatsoever, but they're playing the Chargers at home. Um, if you can get Green Bay and pass happy game script, I think this is going to be the week. Uh, it's crazy to look at the salaries and Watson now being significantly less, uh, expensive than Romeo Dubs. Um, I mean, that's just kind of how the year has gone for him, but Hey, these plays gotta be gross. I think this is a Watson week. Um, so I'll go with him.
0: Okay, I like it. I will go with Rashad White. I think he's the guy at least on DraftKings. I think I'm both FanDuel and DraftKings, but FanDuel you can make a better case for the Tampa Bay receivers, but he's the guy that sort of on DK can make this game stack work and I don't think he's going to be owned at all this week and he he fits the what we want in a, in a dirt plant, which is like inefficient back that no one wants to play, give it give it to me. Those those are my guys. Yes. So, yes. Uh, Rashad White to make the Tampa Bay San Francisco stack work. Get a bunch of checkdowns in this game. Get a goal line touchdown to keep the game just close enough to push San Francisco, and we're all happy. I'd be happy
1: with that. I want to play that stack, so um, I'm hoping for it.
0: All right, Adam, thanks for joining me each week doing the GPP game scores. Adam will have his article up on site later today and we'll have a little bit of a fresher run of ownership for that. Thanks for tuning in everybody and best of luck this week.